Good morning. It is the October 5th episode of the Daily Wrestling News Show, where we teach, learn, and remember the history of professional wrestling with everyone that wants to join us. My name is Ryan Joy, and on today's episode, we are going to talk about the death of Brian Pillman, more specifically, how we remember Brian Pillman. So if you look at pro wrestling headlines in late 1997, you're going to find them dominated by two names, Bret Hart and Brian Pillman. One story is infamous, the other is tragic. We'll get to Bret Hart next month when we somehow try to fit the Montreal Screwjob into a single episode of this show. But this month, we need to talk about the tragedy of Brian Pillman, because on this day in 1997 at 1.09 p.m., the man behind the loose cannon gimmick was found dead in his room at the Budgetel Motel in Bloomington, Minnesota. He was 35 years old. A lot has been said about the life and times of Brian Pillman, and countless episodes of this show are sure to celebrate his career and contributions to wrestling. Following a football career with the NFL's 84 Bengals and later the CFL's Calgary Stampeders, Brian broke into professional wrestling in 1986. Bruce Hart recruited Brian to wrestling and Pillman trained in the legendary Hart Dungeon. And during his time in the Calgary territory, Brian captured the International Stampede Tag Team Championships with his partner Bruce Hart. But by the time 1989 rolled around, Brian found himself in WCW where he first wrestled under the moniker of Flying Brian. While Brian captured the U.S. tag team titles with Tom Zank and feuded with Lex Luger over the United States Championship, Pillman was largely considered to be a lower mid-card guy. He would eventually team with El Guiante at the June 1991 Clash of Champions, and it was a loser-must-leave WCW tag team match where the person who lost the fall had to lose. And So they were going up against Barry Windham and Arn Anderson, and Pillman did take the fall. But hey, this is pro wrestling, so you can rest assured that Pillman wasn't going to be gone for all that long. And it wasn't too long before a new character emerged under a mask as the Yellow Dog. Jess McGrath, writing for the Wrestling Lariat newsletter, said, You would have to have been incredibly dense not to see it was Pillman. And to remove all doubt, Pillman would occasionally lift the mask at house shows so the crowd could join in on the joke. Not surprisingly, Pillman would get reinstated at some point, and he would actually then become somewhat of a key player. He defeated Ricky Morton in the finals of a tournament to become the inaugural WCW Light Heavyweight Champion. That was at Halloween Havoc in 1991, and a lot of people remember him wrestling in the opening match of Monday Night Nitro with Jushin Thunder Liger. What they don't probably remember is that he had a series of matches with the Japanese legend around this time in 91 to 92. In fact, their match at Super Brawl 2 in February of 92 was largely considered to be the best match on US soil in that year. But WCW would, of course, drop the ball with the light heavyweight division, and Brian continued with the company, and things would pick up again in October of 1992 when he joined forces with Steve Austin to form the Hollywood Blondes. The Blondes defeated Shane Douglas and Ricky Steamboat to become the tag team champions of March of 93, but after a number of splits, the duo teamed for the final time in October of 1993, so they really weren't along 
around all that long. Pillman wrestled Steven Regal for the TV title in 1994. And as I already mentioned, it kind of brings us to September 4th, 1995, the first episode of Monday Night Nitro, where he did have the first match with Jushin Thunder Liger. But at this point, I think we're really going to start seeing the introduction of Brian's loose cannon character. It crosses over a few different companies. Brian's WCW feud with Kevin Sullivan was based around the fact that they were legitimately fighting, which meant they didn't sell and they worked pretty stiff. It culminated in a strap match where Pillman immediately gave up the bout by uttering the phrase, I respect you, Booker man. Of course, an on-screen recognition that Kevin Sullivan was, in fact, the Booker. So, uh, Pillman would move on to ECW at that point, and he used the N-word in an interview which could have gotten him seriously stabbed by New Jack. Pillman wasn't welcomed back in ECW after that. So now Pillman is on his way to the WWF, but before he can get there, he has a serious Humvee accident which leaves his ankle badly injured. A lot has been said about Pillman working both the WWF and the WC offices to get more money during his contract negotiations, and it would be a whole show in itself to talk about that. But suffice it to say, Pillman did end up in WWF with a great contract that he signed on June 10th, 1996. With Pillman's injuries, it was pretty hard for him to get anything going though, but I do remember, and I would imagine most people remember, the day that Steve Austin wrapped Brian Pillman's ankle up in a metal folding chair and stomped on it. The move made me cringe at the time, but it's remembered to this day as Pillmanizing, and we see it all the time, and the commentators often call it Pillmanizing now, so he's kind of memorialized in that way. But Brian had a memorable feud with Goldust, where he won the services of Marlena for 30 days, but before those 30 days could expire, the tragedy we're talking about on this episode happened. The official cause of death was a heart attack and the toxicology report did reveal that Brian was taking his prescribed painkillers, but not at dangerous levels. They didn't even find alcohol in his system. So it was a heart attack brought upon by what we don't know and died there to the coroners after a month of tests. And there's a lot more to explore in the history and story of Brian Pillman. We could talk about the WWF interviewing Melanie Pillman on 10-6 the day after Brian died. It was a terrible interview, and I can only assume that all parties wish it didn't occur. The Dark Side of the Ring documentary covers a lot of territory as well, mainly featuring the struggles that Brian's family endured following his death. But as the Dark Side of the Ring documentary showed us, there is hope in this story. Brian Pillman is survived by a young Brian Pillman Jr., who was just four years old at the time of Brian's death. So while Brian Jr. isn't wrestling at the same level as his dad, not yet anyway, he does wrestle for AEW on a national scale, and he teams with Griff Garrison as the Varsity Blondes, a tribute to the tag team of his late father and stunning Steve Austin. The Pillman name went through a lot in the late 90s, and afterward, really. But young Brian gives us hope that the Pillman name will be remembered for something besides the awful tragedy of October 5th, 1997. So that's how I want to leave today's episode, on a hopeful note. Yes, Brian Pillman died tragically in 1997, but his son continues in the wrestling business today. He was only four years old at the time of Brian's death, but now he is on a national scale wrestling for a big company, and with luck, 
hope and skill hopefully he makes a huge run for it so with that said uh, if you enjoyed today's episode of the Daily Wrestling News Show, then I do encourage you to head over to Facebook and join the Daily Wrestling News Show Facebook group. You can get there by searching for Daily Wrestling News Show, or you can go to facebook.com slash groups slash wrestling news show. Click join to enter. Continue this conversation with John and me there. So thank you very much. That's been the Daily Wrestling News Show for October 5th, 2022. We'll see you tomorrow.